Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, back again with another episode, y'all. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about missed opportunities. Missed opportunities, man. It's this guy, before he even left the penitentiary, he was talking about he had one more run in him, right? He's uh, married with two kids, uh, and he had already done, the sentence that he got out on, he did like eight years on a... 35, don't know how he managed that, but he, he had all of the rest of that time to do. He had over 15 years on paper, 15, 17 years on paper. He lasted all of, um, what, 18 months, two years. And uh, I'm going to be talking about this missed opportunity and, and the role he, he could have uh, improved on and the role that his family played in it. So sit back, relax, and, uh, and uh, enjoy the show, y'all. this out y'all there's this guy dope boy had gotten out of prison given another chance early a lot of people in here said that he was um, an informant whatever the case may be just dismiss that dismiss that that may have been important when it came to you know how he was able to get out early on his sentence but let's just dismiss all of that right that's that's criminal talk. That's that's gang street talk, right? Where that matters, right? He was able to make parole and get out of the prison system early after doing about seven or eight years, okay? Now, he's out there. But before he left this institution, he was at this very institution, from what I understand. And he was telling people that uh, he had one more run in him. He had been nurturing all of the prior connections that he had and lining things up for himself when he left, right? But he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to get back into that. Why is that? Because he had acquired, legitimately or not, he had acquired a sizable amount of real estate, right? And in this area, in in Nashville anyway, real estate is booming. And he had, from my understanding, a few offers to buy some real estate from him uh, for like upwards of $600,000. One, one piece of the real estate that he owned. And my understanding is he took him up on that. He sold it. So when he left prison, he had 600 racks. 600 racks, y'all. $600,000. It may be a little less than that, you know, amount of taxes, right? But still, he has no financial reason to get back into the game. None whatsoever. He's got a wife and two kids. His wife, from my understanding... And this is him telling the story when he came back, right? 
his wife knew that he was going to get out and get involved in the game. Right? So what did she do? She did everything she could to discourage him from doing it. He wouldn't listen. His mother, everything she could to get him to stop. He wouldn't listen. So what was it that made this individual want to uh, stay involved in selling drugs when everybody around him was telling him he didn't have to do that? What was it? What was going on with him? Why is it that he felt the need to keep doing it? Well, I'm going to tell you why. That criminal talk, that criminal uh, mindset that was... Uh, that I mentioned a few minutes ago when I said that it had been rumored that he was an informant, a snitch. He wanted to get out and show everybody that that wasn't true. That ego, that pride, that distorted sense of arrogance that made him believe that the only way that he would be seen as somebody credible in the streets again was to get out and show everybody that he wasn't what he was saying, he what people were saying he was. Now, here's the thing. It turns out that it was true. But in his mind, in his distorted way of looking at things, he thought that if he got out, got on top in the game, he would force them to accept him in the streets. Now, how is it that you say somebody that's accused of being an informant can get out and find a plug that's willing to sell him Major amounts of weight. <laughs> Easy. Happens all the time, y'all. This idea of, you know, people ratting and telling on people and all this and that and how they're blackballed from the game. This ain't no John Wick. This ain't no John Wick with no excommunicado. That ain't how it works. Yeah, in some situations it is. But most people are concerned about, can you feed me? Can I eat off your plate? Right? And if you can do that, if you can provide them a way to do what they want to do, they don't care about what uh, what you did in your life. They don't care. And my thing is, in that, let me, let me talk about that for a minute. In that realm, in that mindset, what you have to understand is that there is no honor among thieves. It's a lie. All of it is a lie. We glorify this thing to make people believe that, you know, this is how it goes and you got to be this upstanding dude to do this and to do that. Huh, bull crap. If you can feed the next man, he's going to eat with you. He don't care nothing about none of that. He'll tell himself that you ain't going to do it to me. He'll never even talk about it again. And you'll start believing that you are this person that is somebody that can be trusted in the game and accepted in the game. But what you don't understand, what people don't understand about that individual is that his whole base of thinking, that foundation of thinking, it's distorted. It's off. Nothing that he contemplates and comes up with is going to make sense because it's like the fruit of the poisonous vine, as we say. The fruit that he's bearing is poison. And he doesn't even understand that it's killing him, but it's killing him slowly. See, that's what crime does to you. It eats away at you. 
negative behavior, it eats away at you. Swallows you up. Have you thinking all silly, thinking that you're making sense. You ain't making no sense. Ain't making no sense. But let me get back to it. He's out there. He's balling out of control. Doesn't have any sense, as I said. He's riding around. He's got two keys in the trunk and two keys. This is heroin now, y'all. And two keys with fentanyl at the house, back at the house, at this new girlfriend's house of his. Right? And she knows it. She knows it. She's his ride or die, as they say. <laughs> She's a fool. That's what she is. She's a plum fool. And don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Once upon a time, when I was in the game, you know what I'm saying? Somebody like that, oh, yeah. She down. Like four flats and a jack. But what I'm telling you is this. What I'm telling you is this. Anything that can cause you to bring harm to other people and lose your freedoms, it ain't, that ain't ride or die. That's stupid. I want somebody that's going to be ride or die on holding me accountable. Making me come home at night and say, look here, I love you. Feeding me good, making good love into me. That's ride or die. That's what real ride or die is. But now, when you're lazy, you have missed out on opportunities in your life to educate yourself in a way beyond the nonsense, and you seem and start to believe that you're stuck in this position for the rest of your life, now you want to rationalize and make it make sense. You can't make it make sense, y'all. You can't make it make sense. I don't care what you tell yourself. It don't make sense. So what did he do? You know what he did. Called a case. Called a case. Got caught with two keys and a gun. Hell no. With fentanyl. With fentanyl. And then they got another case on them in another county where it's supposedly sexual assault. Mm. Dope man, dope man. Why? How is it that a dope man is taking something? I thought a dope man can, you know what I'm saying, they got them, they, they, they throwing their legs open for them. <laughs> Something's wrong, right? That's what I'm thinking. So now he's back. Now he's trying to convince, because they went to the house too and found the dope. Now he's trying to convince his girlfriend that has no connection to him, no kids by him, no nothing. And she's almost 12 years younger than him. He's trying to take advantage of her, y'all. But he's trying to convince her to take the charge. At first, when she came back, she said she was going to take the charge, right, for what got caught in the house. Then suppose he's going to give some information up on what he got caught in the car with. But after two or three months in here, she starts to realize, ding, 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 ding. I don't have no emotional connections to him. I don't have no kids by him. I don't know if he really loves me. Guess what she do? I ain't taking no charge. Boom. Goes to the grand jury. He's indicted. He gets indicted. He takes it to trial. Because the house is in her name. It's got to be hers. Well, star witness testified against him. Bip. Bipped him. What he got? He got a nifty 50. If you play dominoes, you know what that is. A nifty 50. 5-0. That he's got to do. On top of the 12 or 13 years that he has left on paper 
Nah, somebody, it's 15 years, I'm sorry. 15 years I heard that he still has on paper from the other case. So he got to finish that because he was on parole. So the other sentences I ran consecutive, not concurrent. So he's got to finish that before he can start on that nifty 50. He tried to give up information. It didn't work. It didn't get him no time reduction. Tried to get her to take the charge. It didn't work. So he had to eat it. But let's go back, y'all. When he got out, most people to get out of the penitentiary do not have $600,000 waiting on them. Not to mention some of the other money that he had made when he was out before that he had stashed away. Some people estimate that when he walked out, he was up on a meal. That's $1 million, y'all. $1 million freaking dollars. And now he's sitting in here with 15 years to do. They're going to make him do it, too. Then he's going to start on the 50. And he's already 40 years old. He's 40 years old, y'all. Yeah. So he got about 15 years. Let me see. If they make him do all of that, make him do all of that, he'll probably do, with good time, he'll do, I'm gonna, let's just estimate 10. He'll do 10 of that before he can eat that sentence up. So then he'll be 50. Then he'll start on the 50. They're going to probably make him do Maybe half of that, close to half of that. So you're looking at 75 years old. 70, 75 years old before he walks up out of here. And he left out of here with a million dollars, some people say. We know it was 600000 minus taxes. And now he's sitting in here begging somebody to answer the phone. He's got money, but he can't get nobody to answer the phone. When they do take his phone calls, they want some of his money. They're trying to find out where the money's at so they can take it from him. That's what they're going to do, y'all. They're going to take that money from him. They're going to make sure that when he leaves here, he ain't going to have a pot to piss in. And that's the problem, y'all. That's what I want to get to. Squandered opportunities. Most people that leave prison, like I said, don't have the kind of money that he had. And again, money don't mean that you're going to be straight. But he was ahead of the game. He had money, so he had the ability to find him somewhere to live. Uh, if he couldn't find employment that, you know, $20, $30 an hour, he had money to float himself until he got up to that. Or he could have gotten out and found somebody that was involved in some kind of legitimate business and bought himself into that or started his own business. He had opportunities. Opportunities that most people don't have. And yet, he squandered it. Because he wanted people to believe that he was that dude. That dude that could be trusted in the streets. As opposed to that dude that could be trusted in the boardroom legitimate boardroom and that is something that we have to take control of ourselves and, and work on no vocational classes none of that stuff is going to change if you don't change you if you don't change what's going on on the inside of you There's a, there is a statistic that says uh, you can reduce 
your personal recidivism rate by 43% just by taking one college course. One college course he could have taken. And it would have opened him up to another world. See, that's what education does. It opens you up to another world. But he didn't bother to do that because he was so blinded by the streets and what the streets thought of him that he threw his life away. Now, what about his two kids? What about them? Will they be coming to see him in prison? I hope so. And I hope he tells them the right thing. But see, that's what one more run will get you. That's what one more run will get you. Coming up into a place like this and, 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 and being confused and tricked into believing that this stuff means something. Believing that being a convict means something. Believing that being called an upstanding guy in the streets means something. It don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. A worthless drug dealer. Somebody that would sell drugs with fentanyl in it that's killing people to his own community. The people in his own community. If he don't care about his own people, he can't care about nobody else. But he did all this for so, it was just selfish, selfish reason. Just selfish reason. When his wife asked him not to do it, his mama asked him not to do it. But that psychological hold that that criminal mindset can have on us sometimes was too strong for him. Too strong for him. And that's what I want to impart to all of you out there that might be listening. If you find yourself in a situation, man, where you're thinking about stepping back out there, stepping back into the streets, I advise you not to do it. Think about this dude. And if it gets hard and you get to struggling, keep struggling, man. Keep struggling. Because I would rather see you struggling and staying free than living easy and being incarcerated eventually. Because that's the option that you're facing. That's the option that you're facing. You find yourself in a situation where you can't do anything for the people that you love. And one day, this brother's going to wake up. And he's starting to because I see it. He's going to wake up and realize what he did, what he had, what he lost, what he sacrificed. And I hope that happens before he loses his mind. Because I'm seeing signs of that too. And that's another thing that I wanted to point out to you. You know, when you wake up to the realities of the crime that you committed and start to hold yourself accountable for it, they don't let you out. It's not how it works. They don't, they don't let you out of prison. You still got to do your sentence, even though you're woke. And he's losing it now because nobody's answering his phone. Um, he has some arrangement with the bank where they send him his money. So he's straight on money on his books. But this is what people like him eventually will do. He'll get cool with somebody in here that can put him in the car with a female. He'll, he'll start talking to her not knowing that she's going to trick him out of his bread. 
because he's running his mouth about how much money he had. That's how I know. Next thing you know, the girl that he's with, off the top, I love you, daddy. I love you, baby. If anything I can do for you, let me know. Now, he's going to go down one of two roads. One of three. He's going to either lose his mind, end up on psychotropic drugs, medication. He's going to get it together, even though it's going to be hard, and hold himself accountable and do the right thing. Or he's going to hold fast to that criminal mindset and seek validation in here from the people in here. And to do that, he's going to get involved in the dope game. He has the money to do it. Don't take a lot of drugs in here to be seen as the guy. And I think and I hope that that's not what he does. But I'm looking at him every day and I see him slipping away. I see him, he'll sit at the phone and he'll dial the number back. Nobody answers. He'll dial it again. Nobody answers. He'll dial it about 10 times back to back. Nobody's answered. Then he'll just sit there. Look around to see if anybody's waiting on the phone and if nobody's waiting on the phone, he'll just set the, you know, take the phone off the hook and set the receiver in his lap. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what a receiver is, we still got the old school uh, phone like we have at the phone booth on the town. You know what I'm saying? We ain't got no smartphones in here. Not legally anyway. <laughs> so, now that nobody's answering the phone for him, he's ashamed to call his mother. I guess I know his mama answered the phone or his ex-wife, but he don't want to call them because they were the ones trying to tell him to do the right thing. But he needs to call somebody that can give him some kind of grounding, some kind of firm foundation of stability, righteousness. But I don't know if he'll do that. I don't know if he'll do that, y'all. I don't know if he can take it. I don't know if he can handle that. But at the end of the day, Keep that in mind out there, y'all, when you're thinking about crossing that line. Or if you know somebody that's crossing that line, you be that voice of reason. Be that voice of reason and use this story as an example. Send it to them. Tell them to listen. This, this is a true story now. Tell them to listen to this. You know, come in here, come back in here and end up leaving up out of here when you're an old man. Getting your AARP card going out the door. You know, wearing diapers, drinking boost and insure milks. You know what I'm saying? Be that voice of reason to them. And if it happens to be you that's thinking about that, come on now. Think these folks playing? Folks ain't playing. They don't care nothing about giving out 30, 40, 50 years and letting you do it. And letting you do it now. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I know. But I'm going to wrap this thing up, man. I appreciate y'all. Share this on your social media pages. Hit them comments for me. Let me know what you think about it. I appreciate all of you. You know what I'm saying? This has been another episode of Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. And I say peace, y'all. <laughs>